Aren't you glad our God has infinite riches? And he has a spirit to give and give and give. Amen. It's a beautiful song. I'm very thankful. Thank you. Uh, I would covet your prayers this week. And my father and I will be heading back up into Canada and to deal with uh, some things and be with the folk up there. And uh, looking forward to that. And hopefully being back for the men's recharge. I'm looking forward to experiencing that. I've heard a lot of stories about it. Is this on? All right. Heard a lot of stories about it. We'll see if the stories are true. No, I have, I have every belief that they are. <clears throat> and um, so I'm thankful to have that, that possibility. Be praying for New England. And over there, they're going to be hosting their... The following week, their uh, men's retreat as well, and uh, the preachers there are very excited. Our pastor will be the one preaching for the charge over there, and uh, keep them in prayer. Uh, they have uh, been in COVID restrictions longer than we have here in the Midwest, and they're excited to be able to have that back and the possibilities of doing that. If you've not heard... There is a king been anointed. No, there is a king that took the throne here, but we're not, I'm not speaking of King Jesus. But the queen's death this weekend, in that process, listening and hearing from the folks back home, it's the new head of state, um, there were some comments that were made by the media and commentators, royal commentators, everyone that has their opinions, and it started stirring some thoughts in my mind. We're getting ready to have our missions month. And uh, if there's anything that we should be challenged about is the need that is before us and the need of missions and the struggle that's happening. It seems like Brother uh, uh, <clears throat> Rodriguez was referring to is that we have a lot of missionaries willing to go now and there's some countries not allowing them in this situation and uh, we need to be praying because I believe it's the sign the hour is shorter than we think and the labor uh, are few and the harvest is white. Uh, I will not be preaching on the harvest, but I just want to remind us that when the harvest is white, it's about ready to rot. Okay, it's already almost too late. And uh, so God needs to stir us up. In our faith, he needs to be stirred up. In our vision, in our burden for the salvation of souls. Here, starting in St. Joe, but yet beyond into the rest of the world. But this event that happened this week, past week, all around the world, people are going to be gathering to give honor to a beloved woman who's left this life. And is appointed unto every man once to die. And it began thinking in my mind how that they're willing to go and give honor to someone for some good that she has done in their mind. But where's God's honor today? No one has done more for humanity than God. No one has done more good for me personally than God himself. 
There's no politician, there's no government, there's no party. Uh, I just got a text, they elected uh, a new uh, leader of the Conservative Party in, in Canada this uh, yesterday, and uh, I believe he's, he's of the old stock, but he's not going to turn around the situation. The need of the world is Jesus. The need of the world is Jesus. But following her death, <clears throat> several commentators on the media stated how good of a monarch she was. She, certain, see, she certainly had her place with God because of how good she was. That by the mouth of the Archbishop of the Church of England the British Pope, if you want. And if that's what they have as a testimony, as a message supposedly from men of God to give them the knowledge of God, it's a sad state of affairs. It's a sad state of affairs. The Archbishop, I believe, deeply admired her and respected her. I have no doubt about that. I, I, I believe he... He's in need of the truth of the word of God just like everyone else, honestly. And I would pray that God would send him a messenger for that. Because it's not how good you are that makes you acceptable into heaven. Never. Never. And I w was stirred by this, this as I was watching and listening to to these events unfolding. And yes, there's a prophecy part of you saying, what part did they all this have? And okay, we're not going to go there. But there's something greater than that. It's the, if it's anything, it's a testimony. Life is final. There is a day appointed to which you will never have the chance to hear the gospel and choose to believe the gospel if it's never been given to you, and if it has been given, and you kept putting it off, the day's going to come. If you don't get saved, if you don't accept the Lord as your Savior, you'll never have another chance again. And it just reminded me the truth and the love that God has shown us, that he has preserved his word and given us his word, that we can retain and know what the word of God says. God's not desiring, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to salvation. There are many missionaries and people laboring in, on the field, even tonight, with the purpose of preaching the gospel and giving them the gospel. With the purpose of teaching new converts and, and establishing the faith and building the faith of the believers as they have received the word of God and accepted Christ as their savior. And all of this brought into my mind this question about faith. When the archbishop continued, he stated the queen was a woman of great faith. Of great faith. This may be true. It may not be true because we have to consider what does the Bible say about faith. I'm not saying that she was not a good ruler, person, mother, etc. But what I'm saying is man's ideas about how to get to heaven 
and how to have life with God and how to be a person of great faith often errs from the teachings that the Word of God tells us. And if the Word of God isn't the foundation of our thoughts, our process, our beliefs, our principles, then what are we expecting of God? The authority of life with God rests and is given to us in the Word of God. And that's the truth. And it's not based on man's idea about God. It's not a, a theological uh, debate or whatever. That's not at all. What the Word of God gives us is for the purpose that we might know the mind of God. That we might know what God says and what God knows. <clears throat> and it stirred me as I was listening to this and that probably a half of the world's Leaders will be gathering there to give honor and, and looking at this situation. Not that she doesn't deserve appreciation. I believe she has been a good ruler for the, the people in England. But that's not the basis of our message. And I would like to take a few minutes tonight, with God's grace, to stir us up and prepare our mind before the missions conference. Preparation counts for a lot of things in life. To prepare oneself before the class comes, to before the event comes, to prepare ourselves before we face a trial, these, there's a blessing and there's a benefit to be received in that. And I believe God would want us to have some reflection so that when he challenges us in the month of October in our missions month, our vision will be enlarged. Our belief will be more sure than ever. Our burden will be one, Lord, what can I do? What would you have me do, Lord? As a church, as a people, and to know how to pray, to know how to care, to know how to bring the needs of world mission before the Lord, asking understanding it's his heart to meet that prayer. It is God's heart to meet the prayer for missions. So let's take a few minutes. We'll start with a word of prayer. Father, I'm going to ask that you would bless your word tonight, please. We know that you are faithful to your word, and your word never comes back to you void. And I pray you would be with uh, these lips tonight, Lord. There's nothing in this a person, this man here that has anything to give, Lord, it's what you have to give and what you will take with what is given and, and put forth and how you will use it and profit it, Lord, and make understanding known and give light, Lord. Increase our faith as the apostles asked of you, Lord. We are in need as a nation, as a church, as families, as individuals, that you would increase our faith. And I pray and for these things, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It goes a little bit with what we dealt with in Sunday school. Huh? The idea that children can find out for themselves. No, there, there's a way that seems right. And it's so typical of teenagers to embark on an idea their thought is right. But it's the same thing for us. Same thing for 80-year-olds. 
It's not an age limit. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof. And it's interesting to know that God not only said it once in Proverbs 14, 12, but basically said the exact same thing in Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And this, these passages came to my mind when I heard the media commentators and everyone speaking regarding the queen's death and how good of a person, how the heaven now is a more blessed place for her. I'm sorry, we don't make heaven a more blessed place. Heaven is blessed because the king of kings is in heaven. Heaven is blessed because our savior who loved us and gave himself for us is in heaven. So what does the word of God say about how to have life with God? Yes, we're a soul winning minded. I'm so thankful for the people who have gotten saved and from my children's salvation and God responding to them. But I want to say something. This is not just for the strangers. It's not just for the person in the bars or the drug addict or the person in jail. This is not just for the homeless. It's not just for the wealthy who, who are so rich and think they have need of nothing. No. This is even for people who've grown up in church. Everyone has need of the truth of the Word of God. Everyone does. I'd like to take a few minutes and, and look at what the Word of God says about faith and look at what the Word of God says about some truths that every person alive today needs to hear. In fact, <clears throat> proclaiming these truths is the most singular and important responsibility we have as a church. I enjoy good music. I enjoy uh, men who greet us with such hospitality and the greeters. I enjoy a clean place to sit and the workers that are all doing. I enjoy the ministries that are go on. I enjoy the fact that the, you seniors have your luncheons and you can have your times together and stuff and the teens have their activities. I enjoy all of these things. But if we have all of these things and we don't have the heart and we don't have the practice of announcing the gospel, we have nothing. We have nothing. But the gospel isn't, you just need to be saved. You see, religion does that too today. You know, the Catholic Church went from, in Quebec, they, when my parents moved there in 1972, they were indignated. They were, they were offended if you asked if they were Christians. Because a Catholic is not Christian. I'm Catholic. How dare you? Christian was a Protestant indication. Today, they want to embrace that they're, that they're Christian. They even want to use the term born again. Since when has a, cult, a church of cultists start using the terms of the word of God like we think that they're preaching truth? No, my friend. It has to be what the Word of God says. It has to be the foundation. And if there's no Word of God given to someone, then what's the foundation of what they're going to believe? So, how does the way of a person, how does the way a person lives, the good they have done to others, the remarkable deeds they've accomplished, the works they've done for charity, the, the, the good that they've done for the community and for their family, how does that obtain them favor 
to have an open door into heaven. And yet, if you ask most professing Christians in the United States of America, I would submit to you most of them believe that's the way in. Their trust is in all the works and all the goods. I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to do this. I've tried to be uh, friendly. I've tried to do good to my neighbors. Uh, what can you fault me in my life? Yeah, I'm human, so I do have some faults, but what can you fault me with? There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Jesus said in John 14, 6, and I'm sure most of you know this, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you were to go to the Catholic shrines in Quebec and you would walk the aspects of the shrines, you would see almost always it's Mary there helping Jesus. You would see where there's the path of the cross and the crucifixion and the suffering and he's on the cross dying, right? But there's something really missing in the gospel of those trails. An empty tomb. There were two other men who died on the cross that day with the Lord. But they had no power to raise us, to save us. The Bible tells us plainly, and we're going to go to this passage as our, our basis of our, 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 our message tonight. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, if you'll stand. Actually, I would like to read verses 1 to 9. Because I love reading Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It's a great reminder. It's a great, you know those stickums? The yellow stickums, you stick it up to remind you. The older I get, the more they're there, and then I forget why they're there, but they're there. And you hath he quickened. That means made alive. Means we were dead in our sins and trespasses, and God, through the miracle of the work of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ, saved my soul and redeemed my soul and gave me life in Jesus Christ. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's the state of the world right now, my friends. That's the state that we need to understand. God wants to use us to do something, him do something, in the world that needs to hear the gospel. Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world. Yeah, the football games, the soccer. Of course, none of that's compared to hockey. But according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversations in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But we decided we need to do better, and we started doing, changing our way. Word of God doesn't say that. But I was tired 
I reap in the same consequence. I figured it out. It's time I stopped being a drunk or a drug addict and, or smoke and giving myself lung cancer. I, I, I got to quit. You know, a lot of people do a lot of things. They quit a lot of things. But that doesn't mean that's salvation. That doesn't mean they got God. That doesn't mean they got, oh yeah, they got religion. Religion doesn't mean you have a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ. But God, who is rich in mercy, His mercy, motivated for His great love wherewith He loved us. You know, I don't have to have love for the lost world as much as God because I can never love the world as much as God loves the world. But I can love God, and if God loves the world and he wants to use me to take a message to the world, that I can do. That I can do. Even when we were dead in sins and quickened, uh, he quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. This <clears throat> and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. You're in the heavenly place tonight, by the way. This is the house of God in this local community where people can come and hear and meet with God. Is this working? For by grace, oh, verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. You know, God didn't leave it to us, as we said, there's a way that seems right to man. He didn't leave it to us to think about how he's showing his grace. God plainly puts it out. I show you my grace through my son, Christ Jesus. You know, let me be seated. Now we're coming... I'm sure to a verse almost all of us have known. If you haven't memorized this verse, I challenge you to memorize this verse. In verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I felt like calling up, if I could have, those media commentators and read this verse to them and say, how can you make the statement that the, her works were so good that she surely has her place in heaven? You're boasting of her works. I appreciate her life. I appreciate what she's done for her people. But that doesn't give you an entrance into heaven, my friend. But my heart breaks when I think that in churches just like this church, there's people who grow up their whole life, hear these messages, and still have yet to make the link that they're in need of God's grace and that their works will never give them acceptance to be able to go into heaven. The deceit that can come from self is great. So I want to take a few minutes and look at something because for by grace are you saved through faith. So it's by grace through faith. Well, I think we can understand grace, but in case we don't, 
I want to go to a passage that helps us with that. You know, these two biblical truths seem to be the most misunderstood or misapplied by man, attempted to justify themselves or gain acceptance before with God and man. The Bible tells us, let God be true and all men liars. Romans 3, 4 says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar that is written, that thou mightest be justified and thy sayings. We seek to justify often ourselves. We try to justify. We try to justify something about our work. Oh, the, don't look too deep. Look, there was a reason that one wasn't quite so good. But did you see all of this? It's all about him being justified. It's about him justified in his sayings, in what the Word of God says. You know, we never have to make an apology for what the Word of God says. It's justified. What God says in his words to us, in his word, is a justified communication from God himself. Because what he is telling us is exactly what our need is. When I look at this, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So why is salvation by grace from God instead of works of man? Romans. You ought to put there next to this passage in Ephesians. Turn to Romans chapter 4. It's a good way of uh, dealing because when you deal with people who even doubt, who grew up in church and they're doubting their salvation and all this, you know, my experience has always been they always look at their works. They're always looking at their works as the basis of their doubt. You may be lost, you may be saved. Works are not the foundation. It's what the Word of God says. It's what you heard of the Word of God, what you believed of the Word of God, what you understood. In Romans here, in chapter 4, he's speaking here in verse 1 to 8. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, if... He didn't say he was, if, that little word is important, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Not before God. For what saith the scripture? Again, what's the word of God say? Not the foundation of Abraham's work or Abraham's life or the queen's life or your life or my life. What's the word of God say? For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. My dad used to have an expression when we were missionaries and he's going around and he said, when you rely on works instead of belief, it's as foolish as saying, Marty, take the garbage out. I believe that, dad. (laughs) You don't believe a work. But if you believe, if you don't do what dad says, you're going to do the work. (laughs) Belief will lead you to do some works. Look at this. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace. That goes with what we just saw here in Galatians, my friend. 
The, it, this aspect in Galatians, uh, <clears throat> Ephesians, sorry, chapter 2, for ye are saved by grace through faith. The importance of it is not by the principle of works, but by grace. Even Abraham. And it was counted unto him because he believed God for righteousness. Now to whom, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And God it will not be debtor to man. That means that if my trust is in the works that I'm doing for God, that God owes me because I did this, sorry, God is never debted to man. My works never obligate God to debt to me. And it's amazing how even in churches like this tonight around the world, some people still haven't come to overcome that misconcept. But to him that worketh not, he ceased from trying to earn it or deserve it. Because he understands the gift of grace is being offered, not as a reward, but as a gift. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, on Jesus Christ, that justifieth the ungodly, his what? You can speak it. What's the word of God say? His faith is counted for righteousness. For by grace are ye saved, through faith. These two are kissing cousins. They're a combo. They go together. And we're going to look at why they have to be together in a short time here. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are what? Forgiven. And whose sins are what? Covered. My friend, Paul is making it abundantly clear here because I believe he's the writer of the book of Romans. Just like in the book of Ephesians, salvation isn't on the principle of works. It's on the principle of grace. And the grace is you heard what God did for you. You learned what your condition is. You heard what God did for you. And you believe that what God did for you is sufficient. You're asking what he's done to be applied for you. And you're ceasing from trusting you, from trusting your works. As you go through here and you say, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Are you saved tonight? Aren't you glad? Pastors talks about it often, that he's so glad God has forgiven and forgotten the past life. I am too. I love that. Forgive and forget. I mean, that is so God. I can't, but he can. That is so God. You go through this passage and these points here, and you'll see in here in chapter 4, let's go down to 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. Not just for Abraham, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed with the condition that our works are worthy. No. If we believe. If we believe. 
it was not written for his sake alone. God has recorded this for us here tonight. He's recorded it for my grandchildren of God, Terry's, and I'm not around, and they're there, and the word of God still will remain because God's faithful to do that. It's recorded for them. Okay, so we continue down. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, and who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, or because of this truth, because of this, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You got peace about your salvation tonight? Do you have peace that goes beyond trust of your doings? I'm not saying that you get saved, now you go live the way you want. That's not what I'm saying tonight. Because love will motivate you to live for the way God wants you to live. But you won't love when you forget what God's done for you. The foundation of the love is taking stock taking notice, what has God done for me? I didn't deserve that. And he did that in spite, I didn't deserve that. So we're coming down to this aspect about, for ye are saved by grace through faith. Okay? For by grace are you saved through faith. And I want to park here a little bit tonight. Because we're getting ready for our faith missions conference. Therefore, we need to have an understanding of faith. I think we have an idea of grace. Grace, the unmerited favor. Grace is I didn't deserve it, but God wanted, God did it for me anyways. But there seems sometimes a confusion about faith. When we would door knock up there in Quebec, the most often response we would have is, I don't need it. But we'd often hear this response too. Well, I got my faith, and I'm glad you have faith, so I'll do my faith and you do your faith. Oh, I have faith that it's going to work out. Really? What do you mean by that? What does God mean by faith? There's a way, there's a reasoning, there's a a definition man has, but... Have we sat back and asked God, what what do you mean by faith? What is faith for you, God? Because when he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, well then what is this faith that I need to know so that I can have it? And what does faith do for us? Well, Matthew 17, 20, we learn if you have Size of a mustard seed. Don't have to have a lot. Just a little bit. Right? Matthew 21, 21. If you have faith, you can tell the mountain, be thou removed. They'll be removed. So is God saying we have some kind of inert inner power that we can just command at our will whatever we want to be done? And we have this expectation and this faith. It's going to happen. There's a lot of guys like Joel Osteen and all that that preach that type of message. That's not what God says. It's not what the Word of God says. 
How often we speak even among ourselves about uh, you just need to live by faith, live by faith. Okay, so what do you mean by faith? You know, I struggle. I'll be very candid. As a teenager growing up in church, I heard all that talk of faith all my life. And I'm sitting there at 16, 17 year old. I'm telling myself, when is someone really going to say, what does it mean? But the Word of God does say. The Word of God does tell us. And Mark, I love this story. Just go ahead and turn there. I was told I have two hours tonight, so... Mark 2. And again he entered to Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house. Are we noising around that the Lord wants to save people? Are we noising around you're sick, you're sin sick, you're mentally problems, you've got distress, you've got trials in your life, you're at your ropes in. Hey, come to church. What? I thought you were going to call the doctor for me. No, no, no. There's someone better than the doctor. Come to church. And when they walked, uh, get back in chapter 2 here. And straightway many were gathered together and so much that there was no room to receive them. Oh boy, wouldn't that be great? Huh? Wouldn't that be great, Brother Mike? I don't think the pastor would like what we would do if we followed this example here. But anyways, it would be good. No room to receive them. And so much about the door, and he preached the word unto them. What did they need to hear? The word. The word. Because the word is essential in the word of God with faith having an activeness. And we'll see that soon. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their what? Their faith. Having compassion, making a difference. That's a motivation. That should be a purpose to motivate us. But the action we need to live by, what we need to apply is faith. It's a faith. And when he saw their faith, he said unto the sick, Son, thy what? Thy sins be forgiven. Condemnation to sin and faith, the tie. How that God can remove the condemnation and the judgment of sin because of faith. That's something. So, as I was reflecting over all of this, let's go now to have this understanding. Why is there need of justification by faith? Well, how does faith come? Can someone tell me that? Let's see how well we know our... Where in the Bible, what, how do we get faith? You're close, Matthew. Can you quote it to me? That's right. Good score. Reference? I know. That's the harder part. But at least he got the message. Romans 10. Romans 10, 17. 
Go ahead and turn there so you all can memorize it. You made the effort to turn, maybe it will stick. Verse 16, he says, But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who have believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith is something that arrives when the word of God is given. So how do we get faith? What does faith do for us? What is faith? Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Because we're going to have a month where God's going to preach to us and challenge for our faith to grow. Don't you think it's a good idea we have an understanding? (laughs) What is faith? That is not an abstract thought. Yes, there's works of faith, but we need to have an understanding of it. Well, verse 1. Now faith is. Faith is. Now we're getting down to what it is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, faith, the elders obtain a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, now you're seeing these works. You're seeing these things done by these people listed in this chapter. But what God is tying that is accepted, what their works that were accepted to him were done on the principle of faith. How many of us treasure the promises of God? Are they precious to you? They are for me. I like to know every single one of them I could. But how do I learn of these promises? How do I know of these promises? How can I expect or desire something I don't even know exists? How can a person want salvation not even knowing there's a salvation available? For by grace are you saved through faith. Just think about it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before someone brought the gospel to you, did you know what Christ did for you? You may have desired a better life than what the sin life was controlling you, was giving you. You could have been inside saying, oh, I'm so tired of this. There's got to be something better than this. And we talked about the suicide rate. That's people who are at despair because this life is empty. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, one of the ministries that we're going to be involved in is doing a lot of the translating of the things, of the teachings of the Word of God into the other languages. And most of the Bibles that I know in other languages have errors in them, serious ones. 
in French, you know what it says here? This is what the Word of God in French for French people say, the most commonly used one. Faith is an ardent hope. I don't have to know anything about what God says, and I can have faith. Because if I can hope for something, that's faith. No. My friends, that's not faith. I'm standing on a platform. I'm not floating in the middle of air. I got something holding all my weight here. And I'm glad it's holding it. I want something to hold my hopes up. I want some foundation to make it sure that it won't fall and dash. And that's what faith does. It's like the pedestal. It's like the thing that, okay, you have hopes. God wants you to have hopes, but you know, I don't want them dashed. I don't want them to destroy. Let's put them on something that will, that's strong enough to keep it in its place. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I haven't seen heaven, but I am persuaded it's a place like none other. How do I know that? Because of faith. Because of faith, I just desired it? No, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God told me, we preached it this morning, If I go and prepare a place for you, John 14. So I have hope that there is a place that God has prepared for me because the word of God told me. The foundation of our hope, the foundation of our trust, the foundation of our works, the foundation of our beliefs need to come from the word of God, not from our desperate or our our physical desires. They need to be inspired. They they need to be derived from what does the word of God say. The word of God says we need justification. Romans 5.12, we all know that. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death pass upon all men, for that all have sinned. We use these passages, and these are so true. But people need to have an understanding. But grace, what does grace? Well, grace is needed because of Romans 5.12. You can't wipe out the debt sin. You can't wipe out the condemnation. When I deal with salvation with people, I say, we have a sin nature. We have a dog. My family has a dog. I have trouble. You know what you can do with a dog? His nature is to do what? Walk on four legs. But you can, for a brief time, entice him and train him with enough reward to walk briefly on two legs. You can train a bear to do that. You can train an elephant to do that. But you know what his nature is going to bring him to do? Go back to four. We briefly can resist our sin nature, but we're not delivered from our sin nature of our works. It takes the work of God. 
takes the work of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. So this faith in Hebrews 11 is a substance. Everything that the word of God gives us as his promises of what God has reserved for them that love him and all of these things, the foundation, the thing that would keep it from being dashed or the thing that keeps it real to us, the thing that would keep it alive in our mind and in our heart, our desire for this. You know, if you desire something and it never comes, it never comes, it never comes, what happens? Briefly, your desire dies. Until something happens to revive that desire. And faith is something that does that for us. And as I was reflecting and going over this aspect, substance. All right, you high schoolers, what's a substance? Who's brave to venture? Do you remember what elements are? Who knows what elements are? Adults, do you know what elements are? Everything in this world is made up of elements. There's nothing that is that's not made up of elements. They're the ingredients that come, that bind together to make a substance. Think about that. So if faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen, the proof that God gives us that what we can't see or yet we can't touch or or feel or we can't handle, but we know they are there because there's an evidence that is clear to us because of faith. But every substance is made up of elements. The devil plays with this, and I've learned this over the years, and that's why I felt tonight God would really want me to cover this a little so that we can have our, our eyes a little open that the promises of God, we're not wishy-washy with them. We're stable, it's consistent, whether we have it in our hand yet or not. It doesn't sway us because faith is there keeping it alive. And as I look at this, a substance. So what elements would God have to bring together, give to us, that these elements combined together would make up something called faith. I'll give you an illustration. I brought one. All right, if I could have Connor, Matthew. and David. You can't look, guys. This is a magic trick, okay? Just stand right down there for a moment, okay? I believe this is water. I'm glad it is water. (laughs) This is water. Going back to your high school. Do you know what elements make water? Do you know the formula elements that make water? Anyone? 
Brother Greer? Correct. Two elements, hydrogen and oxygen. This is hydrogen peroxide. Do you know what elements make up hydrogen peroxide? The exact same elements, but not the same substance. So many people's idea of faith is not the formula God has of faith. If they're lucky enough to have even gotten the two same elements on the table, it's also the proportion or the measure that is crucial. Oxygen is H2O. Two parts oxygen, one part hydrogen. You know what? Carbon monoxide, uh, carbon monoxide, hydrogen peroxide is H2O2. One molecule more of hydrogen, but not the same substance. So many people walk in life, in their Christian life, and they have this hope. And they're so expecting of God to do something. And they, they've been praying and asking God, Oh God, I, I, I need this. God, I want you to do this. Oh God, you said you would do this and you would do this and you would do this. And they're walking down, sure in themselves, God's going to do all this. And the foundation of their hope is on what substance? Because of want? Because of a want? I'm sorry, God doesn't always give us everything we want. David wanted to build a house for God, and God said no. Not everything we have in life is because we get what we want. God's going to give us what he wants for us to have, but his, his wants for us is better than our wants for ourselves. And we need to learn that. Something else about this, my friends... can't tell the difference. They look the same. They have the same smell. Come here, Matthew. You're the smeller. Smell. I won't do it because I care for you guys, okay? <laughs> but if I was to ask you to choose one, and if you didn't know which one was which, you would be taking a real risk. Do you know, with God, we don't need to take risk? We just need to trust and obey. 
We don't have to take a risk. If you drank the hydrogen peroxide, you wouldn't really discern the difference in the taste much. But you would have a definite difference of results. You want to try one? Huh? Is it that one? Well, no, it's your faith. You have to figure it out. But if you're wrong, it's death. <laughs> Your dad is looking at me like, don't let him do it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It looks the same. So many people go in life with these expectations. They heard something in the Word of God, but they didn't allow the elements required from the Word of God to be combined together to bring clarity and light to what God says. The elements, I don't know them all, but there's a few I have figured out over the year that are involved with faith. And I would submit to you, practice before you embark saying, this is the faith God wants me to have. Allow the checklist of these elements to make sure you got the formula that God says is his faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, the first thing that faith has in its elements is a commandment. And we're going to put this to the test in this chapter. But when you see faith, it's a commandment. Believe on the word of God and be saved. Is that a suggestion or is that a commandment? Huh? It's a commandment. Every single one of these people in this chapter, in this list, it was a commandment that was given to them. Tied with a promise. Because for God, every commandment has a promise. And it seems that part we get pretty easy. If I do this, God's going to do that. But there is an element that's often overlooked by Christians and it leads them to make a work or embark on something and God doesn't do what he said. So God isn't faithful. No. Your formula is off. God doesn't just give us commandments. God doesn't just give us promises. But when God gives a commandment, he doesn't leave it up to us as every man thinks to do. Because with every commandment of God, if you study it, if you're diligent to seek it out, God gives instructions. He's not like us, guys. When the wife comes home with a to-do list of a whole bunch of furniture to put together in a box, and this little white sheet that just floats around, who needs that? We got our Tim Toolman tools to put it all together, Right? And the few parts that are left over at the end, they weren't needed anyways, right? That thing called instructions. Instructions. Every commandment of God has an instruction how it is to be performed. But that requires we study. That requires we put some time out and look it over well. And seek God. How am I supposed to do this? 
Faith has elements, and these elements combined together from the Word of God, all of it coming from the Word of God, will produce a substance called faith. That substance in our lives now give us a foundation that all the hopes that we have that God is given, all that God has promised, all the hopes we can look for and expect has a foundation that is sure that we can receive. Instructions. But it takes something to ignite it all. Belief. I can have the commandments, I can have the promise, I can have the instructions, but if I don't believe God's going to do it, my faith is dead. We read this morning a lot about belief. But there's a lot of people, oh, I believe, I believe, oh, I believe, we go to charismatic churches, a lot of I believing going on, but not according to God's commandments, not according to God's instructions, not according to God's promises. But faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by faith, the elders obtain what? A good report. Let's take a few minutes and learn. Through faith, the combination, the substance of these elements, from the word of God, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. How was Abraham righteous? We saw in Romans chapter 4, because he believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. But he believed God, and his belief, he acted upon it. What was the commandment given to Abraham? Get up. Leave your country. Leave your father's house. There's a promise. You're going to go to a land that I'm going to give you. He came to Bethel. He built an altar. He's right in the middle of the promised land. Didn't know it. Quickly to summarize this, it wasn't until he had finished separating himself from Lot that God revealed, here's my promise. He did leave his country. He did go, but he didn't do everything God had said by the instructions God had said. But the night that he did that, That very night, God appears to him and said, Son, Lot thought he had the best. But I didn't promise this to Lot. I promised it to you. But now that you've done by my commandment, instructions, and you believed me, and my promise was cherished of you, look, it's all yours. Abel and Cain, two brothers, Come on the same day to the same place for the same purpose. They're coming confessing they're sinners. They're bringing a sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins. They're coming to meet God, both of them together, at the same place. Everything is the same. No, it wasn't all the same. One element different. Abel brought the lamb per God's instructions. Cain brought his works, not by God's instructions. 
Abel was accepted, Cain was rejected. You go through here, by faith, Enoch. And we learn something here, verse 6, in the life of Enoch, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. For me to live by faith, my friends, means I need to seek to know what's God's commandment for my life. What does God want me to do? How does God want me to do it? When does God want me to do it? And the promise is, if I do it, what's God committed to do? By faith, Joseph. By faith, Jacob. You just go down the list. You got Noah. Noah, I'm going to destroy the world. Build an ark. An ark? Rain? You want me to do that? What's an ark? Well, go figure it out, son. If that ark had been built by Noah's know-how, I never would have gotten in. I can tell you that. But he did it by God's instructions. We build our homes. We hear what God wants us to do in our our lives. We hear God gives us these children. We desire for our children to walk with the Lord. But do we do the diligence to seek, not just to hear the commandments, but God, how am I supposed to do this? What do you want me to do with this? Monday nights is actually where you're building faith. When you come to learn the, what discipleship is, what the building that God wants to do in your lives, you're learning how to apply faith. The Word of God is being given to you, the instructions. I don't understand. You know, if you don't understand, don't lean to your own understanding. Go ask the pastor. Make sure, because instructions are important. All of this being said, my friends, how are we supposed to reach the world? How are we supposed to do the commission of the church? Faith. We need to seek God's leading, God's direction. It's not enough we just know the statement or the mission of the church, but we need to know how. How are we supposed to do it? When are we supposed to do it, God? So I want to ask you, for by grace are you saved through faith? Because this is the most important for me, from what I could find in the Word of God, the most important work of faith is found there in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. I'll give this illustration and I'm going to close with this. Because of our sin nature and the condemnation, it's a, we're going to die. We're separated from God, and we will die for eternity separated from God, and hell is our destination. But God's not willing any should perish, and he has prepared a place through his son. He's prepared a way that we can escape that condemnation. He's not going to re- reform our life. He's not going to re- uh, renovate our life. He's going to give us a completely Brand new life. He discards that. Oh, it's not discarded yet today. 
But when I stand before him and he changes me, this life of flesh, it's done. It's history. There's nothing left of it. There's no renovation of it. It's a brand new one. Let's say this auditorium is God's place of refuge of the new life. And you're on the outside and you're under the condemnation of sin and you have no knowledge that you are even condemned. You're just going about like those people on the Tuesday morning of September 11th. See, I had appointments in the towers that morning. And God intervened the afternoon before that caused me to be late and I had to change my appointment to a later time. But all those people that went in on time had no idea what was going to happen that day. They were under a condemnation they had no knowledge of that day. God knew. God knows of our condemnation as sinners. We're commissioned to warn. We're commissioned to tell people, except you get inside here, except you come into Jesus Christ, you will not be accepted. Your eternity will not be with God. You won't have life with God. Salvation is life in Jesus Christ. It's not life in the church, by the way. I'm not saying they have to become members of the church to be saved. That's not what I'm saying. But he says, I am the door. I'm the way to life. And unless someone was to go to those people outside the door and to tell them, hey, if you stay out here, you're going to die. You're going to perish. But God's prepared a refuge, and it's just the other side of that door. You need to get yourself in there. Someone's taking the word of God to them and telling them what God has said is their need. Someone's taking the word of God and telling them what God says to do about their need. Leave that and come in here. How did they learn there was a refuge here? How did they learn they could come in and be part in this refuge? For by grace are you saved. It's the grace of God that prepared our salvation. It wasn't us. It was all the works of God that did all the works of salvation, not us. But how did I learn of that? Faith. My learning and understanding of all that God has done for me comes from the word of God. And the word of God challenges me by what God tells me. So I hear what God is saying. I learn there's some things I need to do by what God said. There's instructions how to do it, but it's required, I believe, that I believe God when he says, if I'm out there, I'm going to perish. I don't want to perish. I want God I want to be where God has prepared a refuge, a salvation for me. Now take that on every level of our walk, what God has prepared for our lives. The promises. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Take all the promises of God, and almost every promise of God has a commandment to it. Seek to know 
how am I supposed to perform the commandment according to what God wants? And then believe him. And God says, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He's always faithful to perform his promise. But for me to receive the promise, I need to obey. I need to believe. It's called living by faith. Let's stand. So what has this to do with our missions month? God is going to challenge our church to live by faith this year. Part of the motivation is because we love God. Part of the motivation because we see the need of the world for the gospel. But let's not be negligent to seek from God what he wants of us and how he wants us to do what he wants. Let's allow God to grow our faith. Let's surrender to say it's not a vain hope. But let's make, let's assure ourselves of the foundation to which we are expecting things from God. Is it really as the word of God has given us to do? And then let's embark and believe God. Let's, let's go in with full assurance and hearts assured that because we've heard from the word of God and we've listened and we've considered and we've opened to do As God has given us directions and commandment, we believe God's faithful. And we will see God perform what only God can do. Heads bowed and eyes closed. My encouragement tonight is, would you ask God this year to make this year's mission a refreshed walk of faith? a walk that God I want to surrender to do my due diligence to seek your will to obey the commandment to hear to hear what you have for me and by your grace by your grace and his work in our lives I'll surrender myself for you to do the work you want done